BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Why aren't you a redpilledamerica.com subscriber? We need your support. You can listen to all of our episodes ad-free by going to redpilledamerica.com and clicking join in the top menu. If you believe in honesty and value the truth in storytelling, then join us. Become a Red Pilled America Fan Bam member by going to redpilledamerica.com and clicking join in the top menu. redpilledamerica.com. Now on with the show. It's hard to find something the media is more obsessed with than January 6th. According to the establishment, that date marks one of the biggest events in American history. The 1-6 attack for the future of the country, profoundly more dangerous event than the 9-11 attacks. Almost simultaneously as it was occurring, D.C. operatives used it to develop a single narrative. What should we call January 6th? A coup attempt, a riot, an insurrection. I think I'd go with an insurrection. The insurrection at the Capitol. Insurrection. 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 When the legacy media all agree on something, it's usually not true. But if it wasn't an insurrection, what was it? What was January 6th really about? I'm Patrick Corelci. And I'm Adriana Cortez. And this is Red Pilled America, a storytelling show. This is not another talk show covering the day's news. We're all about telling stories. Stories Hollywood doesn't want you to hear. Stories the media mocks. Stories about everyday Americans that the globalists ignore. You can think of Red Pilled America as audio documentaries, and we promise only one thing. The truth. Welcome to Red Pilled America.
what was Jan 6th really about? To find the answer, we're going to tell the story behind the Proud Boys, the group that many in the D.C. establishment have blamed for the entire Jan 6 incident. We've touched on this topic in the past, but this time, with the help of its founder, Gavin McInnes, we're going to dig deeper into the subject. Because the rise of the Proud Boys and their purported involvement in the Capitol incident goes a long way into explaining what Jan 6th was truly about. It should have been just another night out with the guys. But Gavin McGinnis was beginning to sense that something had shifted. The evening started out like the countless other bro nights in Gavin's storied life. He was in New York City, hanging out at a local tavern with members of his relatively new men's club, the Proud Boys, when a few of the guys alerted him to a potential situation. So there was this guy, we call him Clark Kemp, and uh, I've been drinking, and they go, this guy's acting weird as shit. We heard he was facing a trial for a gun charge, and some guys came up to me and they go, he's showing us his knife. Why would someone who's about to go on trial for a gun charge be showing his knife? They thought the guy must have been a fed. At the time, the Proud Boys weren't famous, but Gavin was. For years, New Yorkers revered him as the godfather of hipsterdom, who'd co-founded Gonzo journalistic outfit Vice Magazine. But since his departure from that pioneering media company, he'd become somewhat of an enigma in NYC. On hot topics like the patriarchy and transgenderism, Gavin McGinnis had developed opinions that were, let's just say they were unpopular in the Big Apple, violently unpopular. So when thirsty New York journalists first caught wind of Gavin's new Proud Boys, they wanted to make a name for themselves by infiltrating and exposing its uniquely masculine tenants. Initially, the group wasn't taken very seriously. They drank too much, obsessed about breakfast cereals, and incessantly sang an obscure song from Aladdin, the play, not the movie. They were more college frat guys than Hell's Angels. But when the homegrown real estate mogul Donald Trump took over the GOP and did so by espousing many of the same tenets that had come to define the Proud Boys, Gavin's silly men's group quickly drew a serious kind of scrutiny, and the fraternity of men started to sense the new eyeballs. So when a few in the NYC chapter pointed out this knife-wielding guy at their meetup as a potential fed, it immediately caught Gavin's attention. And I just got so fucking mad. I'm big on, like, retardation. And I'll die for the right to show Beavis and Butthead. If, if the government made it illegal to show Beavis and Butthead, I'd be on like the front line screaming, happily shooting and, and dying for that rights. It's something I'm really passionate about. And so I thought, wait a minute, these guys are just sitting here drinking beer, making dirty jokes, and the federal government has showed up. So Gavin grabbed this Clark Kemp guy by the shoulder. And the bar has an upstairs, so we were upstairs. And I ripped him down the stairs, going, are you a fucking fed? As he's bouncing down the stairs. And then I drag him on his ass all the way down the, the downstairs, out onto the street. And I, I throw him down, and I put my boot on his neck. And I go, what the fuck are you doing here? And as I'm doing that, he's like, I'm not a fed, I'm not a fed. And I go, who are you? And then his shirt is riding up because of the way he fell. And I see he's wearing a fucking wire. The first thought that entered Gavin's mind was, we're being watched. 
his worst nightmare was becoming a reality. Now, Gavin was no stranger to garnering attention. By 2017, he'd already been, for nearly 25 years, one of the most prolific and influential media figures in history. And if you look at his evolution up to the moment he put his boot on that guy's neck, in context, his men's group looks rather innocent. Gavin was born in England. So my parents are Glaswegian. Meaning Scottish. That's relevant because the Scots are very brutal. They're very in your face. I think it's because of booze. They're heavy drunks because genetically they were under siege for 700 years from the English. And that makes you love conflict and love war. And what booze does is it incapacitates you. So you now you're at war with trying to walk down the street. It's like a little battle going on right in your body. And I think that's why they're such drunks, but it also makes them funny and brutally honest. When he was a young boy, the English outpost of Canada started a campaign to create their own version of Silicon Valley, and they welcomed anyone within the Crown's realm that was qualified to join their effort. His father was in tech, so he moved the family to the Maple Leaf country to take a job in its upstart industry. As early as elementary school, Gavin began showing a penchant for forming groups. When I was in fourth grade, we started a... I wanted to be called Wolfgang. But uh, Mike Reed made us the Falcons. I don't know. I've, I've always sort of said, let's make this a thing. He would get an opportunity to expand on his group forming penchant when he stumbled upon a rowdy new musical genre. When I was about 13, I discovered Billy Idol and the song White Wedding. And it was just a 90 degree turn in my life. I mean, I really got into him. And then I heard he was in a band called Generation X before he was Billy Idol. And then I heard that Generation X were this thing called punk. I was now 14 and I was just, my life was totally and utterly dedicated to punk in every way, shape or form. It felt like a movement. You were part of something. This is, this is something in the history books. This is relevant. The scene was perfect for him. It was an unruly movement, anarchistic. Like the Scots, it almost welcomed conflict, but thrived on satire. It was possibly the most politically incorrect music scene to date. It was anti-authoritarian and shook its fist at the government, and it was rough. Punk gave birth to the mosh pit, a form of slam dancing where punkers push and slam into each other as the band does its thing on stage. In the pit, the moshers give as good as they get. Punk fit like a glove for Gavin. And when the Nazi skinheads tried to infiltrate his 1980s Canadian punk world, Gavin and his teenage crew did their part to purge them from the scene. Like when we were in high school, the punks and the mods got together and we called ourselves the monks. It was the punks fighting the skinheads. That's all we did every weekend was fight Nazis. He'd eventually go on to college. The degree was fucking English, the stupidest degree imaginable. But back then, I mean, you're reading Charles Dickens. Why the fuck did I do that? While in college, he worked some odd jobs. At one point, he was a janitor for the university. He also formed a few punk bands, and that's where he started developing a knack for shocking the public. 18 to my early 20s was just a bunch of stupid jobs and really into punk and the band and went to Europe and would you make friends with this magazine, Maximum Rock and Roll. It's a real community and you make friends all over Europe. While there, he went to an indie bookstore. We were in Amsterdam and I said to the guy, what's the harshest magazine you have? Like not kitty porn, but the kind where you can get arrested having this. And he's like, well, there is some stuff in the back. And I'm like, bring it out here. Like I won't. <laughs> And he goes, oh, 
okay, but you can't tell anyone I have this. And he brings out a magazine called Leather Ass Butt Fuck, all one word. And it was just like leather homos fucking each other. It didn't seem that bad. There was not like shit or blood or anything. It became the name of his next band. The punk ethos was what inspired him. But the young man was still looking for something more. This sounds gay, but I was a cartoonist. And in Montreal, in the French world, that was cool. It was like being in a band. It was actually very artsy-fartsy to be a cartoonist in, in Quebec. There's not superheroes. It was like storytelling. Then around 1994... I had this epiphany on my roof with my friend Eric DeGras. We're looking out. We're smoking a joint. We're looking over the city. I was dealing pot. And uh, I said, don't you just want to sink your teeth into something? This is our time. Let's make our mark. Let's do a thing. I feel like I'm done with all these stupid jobs. I want to take on a real project, and it's not this stupid band. I said that to Eric, and he's just like smoking a joint. He just looks at me and goes, nope. And I said, well, I feel that way. Magically, a few days later, a friend introduced him to a Pakistani guy named Saroosh Alvi. Saroosh was starting a magazine with welfare funds controlled by some shady Haitians. Gavin met Saroosh, and the two hit it off. They called the magazine The Voice of Montreal, and it quickly grew from a local to a national Canadian magazine. So they dropped the Montreal, renaming it just Voice. But it wasn't long until a conflict began to brew. Gavin hired an old punker friend of his named Shane Smith to sell ads for the struggling startup. The scamming Haitians that owned the publication weren't helping sell ads and were pocketing most of the grant money. That was a government scam, and and we couldn't grow. They didn't want us to grow. We were a golden goose for them, and they were probably taking 90% of the money, and it was just so much of these grants are just fake. So to avoid a legal battle, they paid the Haitians around 30 grand and changed the name of the magazine from Voice to Vice. Gavin handled the entire editorial content and graphic design. Vice started off as a music and culture magazine, but it would become something completely fresh in publishing. It covered counterculture with an anti-journalism flair. Gavin mocked the traditional writing style that was ubiquitous in other culture magazines. Showing Gavin's roots, Vice had a punk sensibility with a Scottish sense of humor. It was crude, even shocking, and always sarcastic. If they were writing about drug addicts and prostitutes, it felt like the articles were written by drug addicts and prostitutes, people that were right there in the mix of it all. It appeared like they were hanging out with the dregs of society because they were. There was nothing like it on the market. But this debauched approach to editorial still had to make money. Shane said, we need fashion ads. And I go, I look at fashion shoots and I want to slit my wrist. They're so full of shit. Pick up any magazine today and look at the fashion. What the fuck are they doing? Why is she upside down? Why does she have a toaster on her foot? You know? And I said, I don't want to do fashion shoots like that. And he said, well, you got to figure something out because without fashion, we don't have a magazine. So I said, okay, let's do a page of do's and it'll be the client's clothes and then a page of don'ts and we'll dress people up in ridiculous outfits. And then I started taking pictures of people on the street. And then we would do fashion shoots, but they had to have some sort of editorial bent. So it would be like children of single dads in the hood. And then we dress them up in our clients' clothes, but there'd be editorial merit to the photo shoot. I, I wish more people would do that, you know? By 1999, the Vice team had made a move to America, setting up shop in the New York City borough of Williamsburg. 
and while there, Gavin put his group forming craft into overdrive. The result would be a youth culture movement that would dominate the next decade. When we moved to Williamsburg, the do's and don'ts were essentially saying rules every day. There was one do and one don't every single day. I was inadvertently creating a rule book. And that's what subcultures are. Punk, mods, skinheads, boot boys, skaters, metalheads, goth. There's a series of rules. With goth, you have to wear black. You have to be morbid. You're supposed to be sullen. You make your face white. Uh, you listen to these bands. You know, you can't wear orange rubber boots. That's not goth. So I was inadvertently creating the parameters of a subculture. And eventually, from around 2000, 2005, we had created this look. That look was the hipster. Gavin would come to be known as the godfather of hipsterdom. It was Williamsburg, it was skateboards, it was stealing your music, it was secondhand clothes, a lot of Montreal stuff. And we were heavily influenced by this group of kids, Ryan McGinley, Dash Snow. They call themselves Iraq because to rack is to shoplift and they're always stealing stuff, stealing clothes and stuff. And they helped define it, the skinny jeans and the, the mustache and the ironic t-shirt and the army coat and the Air Jordans. And the next thing you know, there was a subculture. It's hard to overstate the impact of hipsters on American culture. It defined the ever-elusive term cool and marked the new gentrification of urban neighborhoods. And Gavin McGinnis was at the center of it all. He was becoming a master at identifying a growing movement that no one else could really see, then creating a thing out of it. And he was doing it all with a comedic flair. But this gift, this ability to be in the center of a movement and having fun while in the middle of it, that gift would also turn into Gavin's personal curse. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information, so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. 
Identity theft protection starts here. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Life is short. It's important to surround yourself with people you love. Do the things that make you feel happy. And if you're me, eat delicious licorice. I've got the ladder covered thanks to fresh and delicious licorice from the Licorice Guy. If you're an avid listener of RPA, then you know that licorice is my jam and that it does not get any better than the gourmet licorice made by the Licorice Guy. They have a great selection of flavors to choose from, like red, blue raspberry, black, and green apple, just to name a few. The freshness of their licorice is unlike anything you've ever tasted in licorice before. If you haven't tried the Licorice Guy yet, then you're living a life unfulfilled. Trust me, you will not regret it. What I also love about the Licorice Guy is that it's an American family-owned business. We're big proponents of buying American and supporting American workers. Right now, Red Pilled America listeners get 15% off when you enter RPA15 at checkout. Visit LicorishGuy.com and enter RPA15 at checkout. That's LicorishGuy.com. Welcome back to Red Pilled America. So while Gavin was busy defining the youth culture movement of the decade, the hipsters, his partners were busy trying to make the company profitable. Gavin was largely sheltered from this headache, and it may have been the beginning of a rift between him and his partners. You see, Gavin's job as the editor of the youth media company Vice meant his punk ethos, his crude and sarcastic youthful energy, stuck around with him longer than most people. It was his job to know what was happening on the streets. So when others were getting older and boring, Gavin kept his edge. That became part of his DNA. You know, my job was to go out and see what people are doing. You know, I I would go out every night till four in the morning and I'd find a guy from Canal Plus who bought a dirty bomb and that would become an article in the paper about this guy who was so close to terrorists, he bought a nuclear weapon. And maybe it's part of my personality. I just like making a thing. I like making a gang, making a group. But on the flip side, his partners Shane and Sarush were focused on growing the business. So Gavin's no-limits mentality, the same energy that made Vice successful, was on a collision course with his partner's desire to grab corporate dollars. At our 10-year anniversary, I was dressed as a Nazi skinhead. I had hired midgets to do midget tossing, and I was broadcasting Japanese puke porn on an IMAX screen <laughs> that was that was about 40 feet wide. And uh, it was also Japanese shit porn, too. And people were throwing up and fighting, and it was chaos. And I liked that. And uh, that's my background. And I, I, you know, eventually when you're merging with HBO and Viacom and all these different companies, it just becomes impossible. And I, that was part of my business plan. I, I want editorial and advertising to be enemies. I want ad editorial to make fun of sales guys when they walk in. And I want editorial guys to feel very uncomfortable when they're in the sales part of the office. But eventually, you know, that conflict can't last forever and it's going to snap. And snap it did. In 2008, Gavin left Vice. The official statement at the time was that the partners had creative differences. After he left, Gavin wrote a couple books, including his autobiography, The Death of Cool. 
He went on a stand-up comedy tour to promote the book, and that turned into a documentary. He also took up acting, appearing in a few movies, and spent some time in the Hollywood circuit, selling TV show pitches for 40 grand a pop. Around 2010, he started another company, this time an ad agency called Rooster, and quickly sold it to a much larger advertising conglomerate called Havas. And it was around this time that Gavin began having his first real run-ins with a crowd that would come to be known as the woke mob. A hint of his future nemesis came in 2013, when he appeared on a Huffington Post online debate about feminism and masculinity. We've trivialized childbirth and being domestic so much that women are forced to pretend to be men. They're feigning this toughness. They're miserable. Study after study has shown that feminism has made women less happy. They're not happy in the workforce for the most part. Sure, 7%, I would guess 7%, like not having kids, they want to be CEOs, they like staying at the office all night working on a proposal, and all power to them. But by enforcing that as the norm, you're pulling all these women away from what they naturally want to do, and it's making them miserable. A woke professor on the panel didn't like Gavin's take and quickly chimed in. Yeah, I'd like to say as a feminist that I'm pretty darn happy and I don't think I'm in the minority and there are plenty of studies showing exactly the opposite, that when you actually have couples, when you have men and women both are happier when they actually have accepted the fact that there is no such thing as innate characteristics. There is no such thing as women really want to do this and men really want to do this. That's exactly the source of policing and control and kind of misery. I'm not done yet, Gavin, so you can be aggressive on your own time. I don't know why I do these things. Uh, I'm not enforcing anything on anyone. I'm saying the opposite of that. I'm saying we are ignoring the vast majority of the way people naturally behave. I don't want to enforce anything on anyone. You're the ones doing the enforcing. You're the ones saying women have to be in the fire department as often as they are in the real world. I didn't hear anybody say that. That must have been in your head. All I'm saying is people would be happier if, if women would stop pretending to be men and we'd stop trivializing childbirth and domesticity. It's shaping a life that's way bigger than what I do. I make commercials and funny videos. That's nothing compared to shaping a life. And I see these people, okay? I see these 40-something, these women who've been pushing their careers, and they're fucking sad, okay? They want to adopt. They're taking hormones. They're trying to, can we get a fucking surrogate? Uh, they're, they're, they're making twins because they've taken so many hormones. They're spending tens of thousands of dollars because they waited too long. I can see it's going to happen to you. I forgot your name. I, I know you don't have kids. Marianne, oh. Marianne, we, we, yeah. have to, we have to go, and I want, I want you to respond to that and, and, and wrap us out. Well, I do think it's interesting because Gavin is, in fact, presenting what's wrong with masculinity right now. It's this insistence that things have to be a certain way. What does this evidence for that? He's I'm not insisting anything, wow. you fucking idiot. Oh, Gavin, see, take, exactly, it, take it this down. This is what enough. masculinity looks like. This is exactly what it looks like. Now, why is Gavin so scared? Why is he so frightened of the fact oh, that my God. some women don't want to have kids? Some women do. Some men want to take care of their kids. Some men don't. Nothing should be frightening about that. It's it, the only thing people need to be scared of is people like Gavin who are simply imposing their way and saying it has to be this way and pretending to be concerned about people's happiness. This debate over gender roles was in 2013, long before it became a mainstay in the modern culture wars. Gavin was on the cutting edge of these debates because he was in the belly of the woke beast in Brooklyn, New York. Seemingly out of nowhere, being for traditional American values had suddenly become punk rock. 
the beginnings of a feud between Gavin and the woke mob emerged, and just one year later, that rift would elevate to an entirely new level. While still the creative director at the ad agency he founded, Gavin wrote an op-ed for a popular hipster website. The title of the piece was Transphobia is Perfectly Natural. And then I said, trans people are not women. You're mentally ill gays. And that didn't go down great. This is the beginning of the real mob Twitter shit. And they just bombarded all our clients and, and, and us in the office. And so my co co-worker said, can we just say you're on leave or something? And I said, whatever works. And it didn't work. And Havas fired us all, shut down the agency. And it didn't stop there. The creative community kind of cut me out. And I, I was persona non grata in all of California. His Hollywood manager, Jimmy Miller, the brother of the famed comedian Dennis Miller, was one of the biggest talent managers in Tinseltown. He represented Will Ferrell and Jim Carrey. He didn't know I was conservative. And Jimmy goes, how did I not know you're the most conservative person on earth? And I said, I'm not, and I don't know. Yeah, he dumped me. In 2014, Gavin was booted from Hollywood, hipsterdom, magazine publishing, and the advertising industry. The mainstream narrative machine had purged him from their ranks. On this newly formed island of the cancelled, he had very few peers. But the Glaswegian punker wouldn't curl up in a ball and fade from the spotlight. He was determined to figure out a way to move forward and have fun while doing it. So he turned to one of the few guys that could relate with his experience. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. 
How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you want to hear Red Pilled America stories ad-free? Then become a Backstage subscriber. Just log on to redpilledamerica.com and click join in the top menu. Join today and help us save America one story at a time. Welcome back to Red Pilled America. In early July 2014, while taking pictures in Times Square, famed shock jock Anthony Camilla had an altercation that would eventually change the course of media history. Apparently, while he was taking pictures at Times Square, a black woman was caught in the frame of one of his shots. She wasn't happy about it, and according to Anthony, she began to physically assault him, punching him multiple times. Anthony was pissed at what he saw as the woman's immediate turn to violence, so he took to Twitter. And let's just say that his description of her actions was colorful. At the time, Anthony Camilla was one half of the famed Opie and Anthony show on Sirius XM. Anthony was no stranger to controversy. He'd been a radio shock jock that had been in hot water a number of times over his roughly two-decade career. But 2014 was a different time. It was the beginning of an era where one wrong tweet could get you banned from polite society. Well, infamous gossip rag Gawker got a hold of his Times Square tweets and published them under the headline, SiriusXM host claims cunt rag assaulted him in a racist Twitter rant. When SiriusXM caught wind of the tweets, they fired Anthony from the show that carried his name. Anthony was astonished that his words would trump the actions of the woman that assaulted him. He was now out of his corporate gig. But unlike almost everyone else at the time, Anthony Kumia had a backup plan. He'd been dipping his toe into a new phenomenon known as online streaming. There we go. Hi, everybody. Life in the compound. Wow. Inaugural uh, program, really, if you think about it. While his famed Opie and Anthony show was up and running on Sirius XM, Anthony was producing a show from his home studio that he called Live from the Compound. I'm still working on the lights. It's not permanent yet. So relax. So I said, it's a test run. It was a wild, uncensored talk show. What today we'd call a video podcast. Hey, jerk off face. Dice called me jerk off face once. What does that even mean? (laughs) Within a month from being fired from Sirius, Anthony launched a subscription-based network, which would eventually be called Compound Media. There was a new home for politically incorrect comedy. And by June 2015, Gavin launched the Gavin McInnes Show on Anthony's new network. Hello, everyone. My name is Gavin McInnes. Welcome to the Gavin McInnes Show. This is our debut episode. 
Anthony Camille welcomed Gavin to his platform. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a huge fan of this guy, Anthony Camille. You might know him from the Opie and Anthony show. He was a he was a shock jock many months ago, and he's got his own <laughs> network now. There we go. This set looks great. Wow. Yeah, well. Congratulations. Thank and you, welcome. Anthony. Thank you for shelling out welcome. the cash. I love this. Gavin kicked off his new show by conveying some of the tenets he held that led to his canceling. I'm a Western chauvinist. I've been, lived all over the world. I know a lot about other cultures, and I know how much they suck shit. Multiculturalism reeks. What Anthony Cumia couldn't have known at the time was that his new comedy network would become ground zero of a culture war. The Gavin McGinnis show on Compound Media would give birth to a men's club that would become the target of one of the most dangerous anti-American forces the country had ever seen. And it would become a target because of the man that would emerge as their patriarch. We need to glorify entrepreneurs and vilify them less. Donald Trump made a ton of money. That's cool. Less than 24 hours later, the same man that Gavin praised in his debut episode started his historic run for the White House. I am officially running for president of the United States, and we are going to make our country great again. The two seemingly unrelated events were on an unlikely collision course set for January 6th, 2021. Coming up on Red Pilled America. So there was this producer we had, and he was a 24-year-old virgin. Became this sort of fun project to get him to be a man. Do you owe reparations? All white people owe reparations. My father was in these kind of clubs, and one day they just disappeared. And what did men do? They were told it was sexist to congregate, so they went to strip clubs. <laughs> the Proud Boys, the far-right group described by prosecutors as the chief instigators of the January 6th attack on the Capitol, watched their former leader go down today under the weight of a 22-year prison sentence. Red Pilled America is an iHeartRadio original podcast. It's owned and produced by Patrick Corelci and me, Adriana Cortez of Inform Ventures. Now you can get ad-free access to our entire archive of episodes by becoming a Backstage subscriber. To subscribe, visit redpilledamerica.com and click join in the top menu. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. 
I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.